What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that. Shotgun set. Three receivers left. Here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady and he caught ball. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons. And what a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Looking again, looking again. Throws up the middle. That's intercepted at the 40. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Oh, so the end Battle in. Intercepted, picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome in, everybody, to the Salty Dogs podcast. I am Scott Smith. I am Jeff Ryan. And we are the Salty Dogs. And we are salty. And we are done with the 2022 season. And that sucks. Yeah. That and, didn't, and, didn't. That, and that was the nicest way as I could say it. <laughs> it was not the type of ending we were hoping for. No. To be quite honest, though, it's not, it wasn't a terrible surprise. I mean, the season, eight and nine, you know, it wasn't like it was the perfect season, and then everything was going to snap into place in the playoffs. No, but I had hope Hopes, th- yeah. that that going into this particular game, I, I thought that um, we would have performed or – you know, it would have been a better performance. I thought it was a very one-sided game. For sure. I mean, it was 31-6 to six at one point. So. Well, yeah. But, I mean. And they should have had 35 points, but their kicker couldn't make extra points. I've never seen anything like that before. No. And every time he missed, I kept going, well, that's going to be the deciding factor. <laughs> that's where, oh, if only would have they got those I points. I don't know. If you keep scoring touchdowns, though, you kind of keep that problem at bay. Oh, yeah. Now, if those were field goals, boy, how exciting that would have yeah, been. Yeah, that would have been cool. But We couldn't get a stop in the red zone, though. That is the best red zone offense in the league. Yes. Coming in during the regular season. You can season, see so. why. Yeah. And that's that was without even, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott scored in that game. Mm-mm. He's one of the main reasons they've been so good in the red zone because he's close to undeniable when you, when you run him around the end zone. Right. That, what's, what, uh, what is amazing, it was a very electrifying crowd, I'll say that. I mean, if you wanted a great atmosphere and I and uh, the numbers were released by ESPN and yeah. all their outlets. 36 million people. I thought it was 30.6. Okay, 30.6 managed to um, tune in briefly, hopefully in the beginning of the game. <laughs> it was a fun crowd, and, and it, things started out so well. You know, we won the toss and deferred and got yeah. a quick three and out. Mm-hmm. Um, no official uh, passes defensed on any of these incompletions, but I know they were contested. Uh, and then in the, didn't do anything on offense, and in the second drive, Another three and out where you get a sack from Vita Vea. So yeah. Things look good, and then they didn't. No. Well, I think we, we talked about this briefly at lunch. Just uh, we, And we're not the only ones that feel this. I think the turning point was the the pick six, or rather the, the pick, which you would have assumed you'd get at least six points. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because the Cowboys kickers missed a number of points. So, <laughs> so I'm not you're saying not that. I'm not just going to give you that seventh point. Yeah. But – I think that was kind of the, oh, geez, and um, not the reason why you lost, but it did kind of kind of 
it was the turning, set the tone it was how the, the day point. was going to be. Yeah, it was the turning point for sure. The two, each team did absolutely nothing on its first two possessions, just three, four straight three and outs. But then Dallas got into a groove, went 80 yards without even facing a third down on that one, although they were helped out by a roughing the passer penalty that... Question. <sighs> Never mind. I'll just say I've been beating the drum on this all year for a couple of years now. Review. And this only enhances my feeling. And there was another one this weekend, too, that seemed ridiculous, that roughing the passer needs to be reviewable. I agree. But anyway, in, in order to not get in any trouble or get fined, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, right. Uh, so they went right down the field and scored. But then the Bucks answered right away with a nice little drive. Um Got into manageable third downs, converted third, three of them in a row. A lot of little passes to Chris Godwin, who we'll talk about a lot more. So it, the second quarter starts. You feel like, um, you know, you're only down 6 nothing. You've just answered their long drive with your long drive. And then we see, you know, I don't know, because is that Tom's worst throw slash decision of the season? Yes. And he, you know, I mean, he said he made a bad throw. Yeah, he he was intending to throw it out of bounds. He didn't throw it hard enough. Now it was a good catch, though. Too. I mean, it was over the over his. Yeah, I mean, a shoulder catch. It wasn't that hard of a. No, but it was kind of like, did that really just happen? That type of uh, hmm. situation. But no, he did say that uh, it wasn't the proper throw. But I think I was going to. Um, what I was going to actually read his quote. Oh, you have it written down from when? No, he I just talked? have it right. I have the file. Okay. From when they emailed it out. From when he, uh, it was this after the this game? This is after the game. He okay. Hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't sp- spoken since. At least not with us. No. Things have been quiet. I, so he was asked if he was trying to throw the ball away, and he said, I was. I was trying to throw it to Chris, and the other guys were blocking, and just tried to throw it out and didn't obviously get enough on it. That certainly didn't help our cause. No. Certainly did not. It certainly uh, sums it up, doesn't it? But you got to give credit to Dallas defense. They, they, what they did was they took those short passes away. You know, they were moving everybody up tight. They, they were almost like playing a red zone defense against us the whole time. Because if you notice, the short passes weren't there. Is that something like yeah, Dave, Dave was Dave's talking about? Yeah, Dave was talking about how. Because I don't expect that kind of pithy football analysis. Well, it, but I totally agreed because they were, they were saying the, the thought process was. The Bucks could go deep on these guys because they were having cornerback uh, problems. They right. were having young, younger people in there. Injured, injured, guys. injured guys in there or injury replacement guys in there. So basically they were taking it away, and if you, you started watching it more and more, uh, that, that seemed to be the, the formula. However, if you had told me after, before the game that Chris Guywin, Julio Jones, and Mike Evans were going to combine for 233 receiving yards – I would have felt pretty good. Oh. I would have thought, okay, I think that's a good outcome because yep. that means we're hitting balls down yep. down the outside. And and Chris, I mean, I, I hear you saying they were taking away the short throws, but he still completed ten passes to Chris Godwin for eighty-five yards. Mm-hmm. And most of those weren't that far downfield. Yeah, but that's out of sixty-six. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> so, yeah. you get to you get to three hundred fifty-one <laughs> yards overall passing and two touches. Like, okay, that's good. But if it took you sixty-six throws to get there, now here's something crazy. Um, I know you're. I I rewatched the game yesterday. It was on. Why did you do that to yourself? Well, th- the thing was, it was on the NFL Network, and I had it on in my office, and I was glancing up, and and I and I just felt the game was worse than it was the second time I viewed it. But uh, a little factoid I saw was there was 
three minutes left in the third quarter, and Tom had thrown like 31 passes. So that means... He threw 35 <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, or 33 passes. It, it was like, I looked and I saw the graphic, and he was like, you know, one of something, it was 30-something, and I was like, wait a minute. He threw that many times in the fourth quarter, but yeah, crazy. Tom Brady threw 66 passes. <clears throat> he had almost as many incompletions as Dak Prescott had throws. Wow. And that's, that's not, I'm not making a comparison. No. I'm saying how the game went. Woo. He had, Tom Brady had 31 incompletions, and Dak Prescott had 33 pass attempts, period. Wow. That's how that game went. Yeah. That, that's a number that tells you a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll say this. The Dallas Cowboys, you know, laid it in against the Washington Commanders, but certainly came on strong. So now the question is, what team are they when they go face the 49ers? So. They're a little bit more... I think like the team that just beat the Bucks uh-huh. pretty handily, but they've got a tall task trying to beat that 49ers team. That, that's a good football team right now. Because, okay, they should have, Dallas should have had 35 points, right? If their kicker could make extra points. But I don't think they're hanging 35 on that San Francisco defense. No, if they do, then they're they're bound for the Super Bowl. If, if, if they can do that. that. Yeah, if they do that, then, you know, all rights reserved. But, um <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I kind of liked it. Didn't know what it meant, but I liked it. <laughs> That's my legalese coming in right now. You saw, you know, that in, that interception we're talking about, the camera catches Tom Brady right afterwards as he's about to come off the field, and he's smacking himself on the helmet. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure he very much wanted that throwback. Well, that was his first red zone interception since 2019 when That's he incredible. was a Patriot. Was that the last game? Yeah, it was the last Didn't time. Didn't he get picked on his very last? I no, that wasn't the red zone because no. they were backed up by the Orlando. Yeah. zone. But, no, he got picked. In, the last time he got picked in, in yeah, was then. And, and you know, it, it frustrates me because they just put that graphic up just before he threw the Did pick. Did they? Yes. And I was like, I, when I saw the graphic, I went, no. And what are you boink. doing to us? It happens all the time. That is the weirdest thing why that, that is. It's called the broadcast curse. So <clears throat> that did happen again. Yeah, I saw that earlier this year. But maybe it was Romo or somebody who was talking about maybe the Baltimore kicker. He's like, yeah. he never misses, no. and then he missed. Yeah, it, it's just that's just the way it was. But I will say this. A lot of times the word super is, to me, is used too much. Okay, oh, that was really super. But I will say the super wild card weekend <laughs> really lived up to its name. Until our game. Yeah. But it was a great weekend. Saturday and Sunday was a great it was, weekend. It was, it was so much fun being a fan. Monday night, not so much. But the rest of the weekend, totally enjoyed watching uh, football. I totally enjoyed it. Agreed. And But I will say this. I always felt like the first two rounds of the playoffs were the best football watching experience every season, whether it was this yeah. new super wild card weekend. Yeah. So to me, I'll give you that it went well. And even that the number seven... Did one of the number sevens did pretty well? I still don't think you need seven teams in the playoffs. I, I'm not. I mean, I know there's no going back. No, there's in not. In fact, it's much more likely you go to eight at some yeah. point. Yeah. But um, in which case you might not have any first round buys buy. at all. Right. But you know, we've only had two seasons of this format, so we don't have much to go on yet. But is the is letting in the seventh seed worthwhile? Last year. We just demolished Philly. We were right. two and they were seven. Yeah. I know it ended up being 31-15, but it was 31 nothing. Mm-hmm. Completely controlled that game. Sure. Then the other one was, I think, the Cardinals at the Rams, and that was a total mismatch. Yeah. 
this year, Miami did a great job against they, Buffalo. Really? Had they if if they would have been able to communicate better and not have so many delay of games? It was crazy. It was crazy. And I don't know if it was the crowd noise or because it was a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach. Uh, you think that was part of it? I, mean, I think I mean, Mike. McDan- were- I think Mike McDaniel's had a great year, and I think yeah. he's very promising. I think they found something really good there. I uh, like a lot of his decision making, but he's never had to do this before. He's never had to be making. He wasn't calling plays in San Francisco. He he he's never had to be the one making these decisions right. at this point in the game, whether to call timeouts, how quickly you got to get the ball in, that kind of thing. So it's. It's not shocking to me that a guy in his first time in this situation might struggle a little bit, even though I think he is a great coach. See, I would, get I would think that, but it was, it, you know, it was his they 18th couldn't get to play game. It. I know, but it was his 18th game. He should have been used to but it. But how many times was he in this sort of situation where it's oh. coming down to the wire, plus yeah. it's the playoffs, it's do or die, This you have to make the okay. right call or your season's this over. Is, yeah, yeah. So he's trying, I think he's trying to get the perfect call in. And they just needed to run something quicker. Yeah. Because they oh, ended up yeah. blowing all their timeouts. Timeouts, yes. Not trying not to get delay of game right. penalties. And yeah. then I think they did get a delay of game penalty. And I didn't I thought maybe it was because the because of having their rookie quarterback in there. But he played he played quite he, well. He played I mean you know, he managed the game. He was okay. And they yeah. they got a defensive touchdown, let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. They also they also Miami I like that they went for fourth and one at one point uh-huh. from around their own 30. It was right. late in the game, yeah. and, and, and uh, McDaniel knows that at that point, possessions are at a premium. You don't know how many times you're going to get a shot at it. But they call they go for fourth and one from their own 30, and then they threw a deep ball. Yeah. Like, deep down the sideline. Surprise. And it didn't work, <laughs> no. unsurprisingly. And I just thought, but they were saved on that play because Buffalo sent it at a timeout yeah. just in the nick of time. Um. I, you know, you're talking about the playoffs and and the extra team being in. And yeah, I so think. You cut me off. I, well, what I'm going to say is the controversy is going to be: is it fair for teams playing on Monday night then yeah. have to be playing a day yeah. short? That wasn't cool. And so that's going to be the big storyline because it should be one. I don't think they should be playing that game. Well, on the Forty ers have something like 52 hours of uh, more time to prepare. Yeah. Then it was either the Dallas Cowboys or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whoever won that Monday night game. Yeah, it, it does not seem equitable, especially because that team was also going to be traveling. Right. So right. it doesn't seem very equitable. And the 49ers had that early Saturday game. So, yeah. And that was the other 2-7 game. And I know it ended up being 41-23, and it really wasn't in much doubt. But Seattle held in there for a while. Up until the third quarter, yeah. yeah. they It was 17. They were winning at halftime, 17-16. They were they held in there and then sort of the barrage was on by San Francisco. Well, that that's kind of how I felt about our game at halftime. Everybody was kind of like, uh oh, and I said, well, if you go by all the other wild card yeah. games, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> not because everybody was losing or struggling. So, not to mention that we had shown a propensity to come back. Yes, and half. for some reason, you just kind of was maybe it was just the hope of hope. You know. I made a mistake here, Jeff, because we really, really, really should have started with the very first item we should have started with today was is the fact that Russell Gage is okay. Yeah, oh, yes. Now, yes. as the last thing that was said about him was by Todd Bowles yesterday, late afternoon, and he said um, he has a concussion, no neck injury, movement in all his extremities, and he was going to be released from the hospital yep. that afternoon. So and I have not since heard... When um, and if he got released, Russell Gage did put out thanks for all the thoughts okay, and prayers cool. and everything. He cool. uh, tweeted it out. I'm I'm doing good. Yeah, that was a very scary. It was moment. scary. It was to me. It wasn't so much 
the falling on the ground is he he personally I think there should have been a flag there because absolutely he got hit in the head he arm barred him in the back of the yeah, neck right so I'm not sure how that happens or why it gets missed but it does I'll tell you one thing and then we'll get back to Russell I think part of it is the refs are swallowing their whistles here in the playoffs there was. Yeah. I think there were, how many combined, I thought there was a number of times they could have thrown flags in our game. Well, there was a lot of holding going on that never got called. Five, yeah, five total penalties between yeah. the two teams, two for the Cowboys. See, now, this is something that I, I will always argue about, and people go, well, it's the playoffs, let them play. No, oh, you wait. have the rule, yeah. the rule should go all the time. Period. Right, because by saying let them play... Then why don't you do that? Why have the rules anyways? Yeah, Throw them say, out. It's, not, it's also not equitable, because if by let them play you mean, well, don't call that holding penalty, well, how's that fair to the defensive guy being held? Right. You just call the plays the way you should. Now, I'm not saying that that's what happened here. No, but... But... Oh, five penalties in a total game? I'd like to go do research to see how many penalties are in it, averaged throughout the I'm not complaining about any specific No, play. no, no. Just I just question. remember thinking during the game, they're not calling anything. No, they weren't. No. And no. I can understand it, it's probably more, it's probably better in basketball to let them play a little bit because all those, to me, the fouls in, fouls or non-calls in basketball, you, I can't tell the difference half the time. I, I, it seems arbitrary. To me... I have no idea. I'm not the, the, the biggest basketball knower, so <laughs> somebody else out there probably can the tell better. Basketball knower. But if you're if you're probably not getting all of those calls correct anyway, then calling fewer of them doesn't bother me yeah. as much. But in 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 NFL football, just call it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they did, but the results. Seem well, maybe like we're a little like salty because the game didn't go our way, and true. maybe that could be part of it too. So true. But only five penalties in a whole game—that's but anyway, pretty minimal. Russell Russell Gage was scary, yeah. like you said, for one reason because whenever players, especially players on both teams, start kneeling nearby, uh, then you're especially thinking, after two weeks. Ago, I know, which is a whole other story. Yeah, a good one. Yes. Well, it's a good one here too because Russell's fine. Yep. So you would that, hate. Oh. You'd, you'd hate to see that happen mm. anytime, anywhere, but. Especially that close to the whole season being done, and he's been battling, you he, know, an injury here and there. And then when he's in, he's been playing well. Since he really got back to near full health a month or so ago, mm-hmm. he's he's done a lot. And he's a young guy too. He's only like twenty eight. So he's okay. It yep. sure seems like that's, that's a good great sign. news. It was just he was lying there. For a it long looked time. like he tried to get up a couple times and couldn't, yeah. which I guess was probably just a. A, uh, symptom of the concussion yeah. in retrospect, but it, it looks scary. Yeah. And then, of course, they have to be cautious. So even if he's moving, if they if they have any idea that it could be neck involved, then they strap him into that what, board. What I got concerned is they went to the tunnel that didn't have the X-ray machine. <laughs> so they that, were going straight to an ambulance. They were going straight to an ambulance. Right. Yes. And uh, th- that's always kind of which is what we talked about mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks yeah. with the Demar Hamlin thing. That uh, until all of this, uh, there's probably a lot of fans that didn't realize how much. Medical, medical personnel. Yeah. Pers- there's always an ambulance. There's always medical personnel there. In addition to the team's staff. Sure. There's there's dentists there's, there for crying out loud. <laughs> there are. I, did, I guess I didn't even know that. Yeah. To perform emergency yeah. dental. Well, just to be hit. Yep. You lost your tooth. No. Yeah. There there is. Huh, how about that? So, uh, there is a. I saw a um, a thing about all the medical people that are on every game. It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's a good thing. So, you know, Russell Gage, looking forward to him coming back. In another um, uh, health-related development, mm-hmm. how the heck did Ryan Jensen play every freaking snap of that game? It had to be pure adrenaline. 
They, that, and that was not the plan. No. Todd, uh, Robert Hainsey was active. Yes. And Todd Bowles has said, he said yesterday that the plan was to play them both. Yes. But Jensen just kept feeling good and just kept feeling better. We Didn't uh, want to come out. We talked to Todd uh, when uh, Ryan became uh, activated, and he said that he wasn't sure uh, how long he would play, and even if he was going to start, they were still evaluating the situation. It, oh, whether he was even going to start? Whether he was going to start I or not, I think that yeah. if they were going to play them both, the decision to start um, Ryan was because if they started Robert Hainsey and then he got hurt, now you got Jensen in there and you don't know going into the game if he can play every snap. Right. So they wanted to start with Ryan and then see how See how far went. he could go, right. When he, uh, Yeah, I th- that had to be pure adrenaline. Uh, well, he's also obviously tough as hell. Yeah. And he was cranked up, you know. He, he and of course he got a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct, he's and like, I clapped. I said, "Yes, he he's is back. back. He's back." Not only <laughs> Big is Red his, is back. Not only is the knee good, but his mouth is working just as well, because <laughs> that's usually what happens. It becomes a shoving match. But uh, I don't know how he did it, man. There's a there's another quote here from Tom Brady who okay. obviously helped him quite a bit along the way to be able to come back from this injury and not have surgery, mm. um, because. The the information never got out there until right here at the end when Ryan said what he had. Uh, he was like ACL, MCL, PCL, yes. a little chip off the bone. Yep. I mean, that seems, everything. That seems like an injury. That how do you come back from that without surgery? But right. he did. So yeah. obviously, it's possible. Tom said, "Just super proud of him and all that he's gone through this year. It was a tough injury that he had that he had and battled all the way back and really committed himself the last six to eight weeks." to prepare himself to play, and did it. So it says a lot about who he is, and he's certainly a guy you can depend on and count on. Yeah. So the idea here then is for much of the season, it wasn't. we weren't sure if Jensen was going to come back at any point, but I guess in the last like six weeks, the plan started to come together. Like mm-hmm. this could actually happen if we make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you don't find out any of this till the end because they well, were very yeah. tight-lipped about everything. It was the best. Uh, in fact, because we played a Monday night game, yes, you didn't even have to activate him until the day yeah. of the game. I know. How crazy is that? When you play on Sunday, you're, you're, the NFL doesn't make roster moves on Sundays. So when you play on Sunday, you always have to make all those like practice squad elevations whatever on Saturday. Saturday. But when you play on Monday or Thursday, those are days of business operations for the NFL and its personnel departments. And so you can make moves on those uh-huh. days. They just have to be done by 4 o'clock. Wow. The... Um, uh, when we were talking to Jason Light during uh, Bucks Radio uh, pregame show, uh, he made a joke that uh, he was happy to see Ryan up and active and going to play since lately he's been the highest paid practice squad player we had, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good line. That's a good line. <laughs> so that is uh, a plus all the way across the board. What else you got? Well, um, you know, we, we were talking about the Bucks offense. And the fact that Godwin Jones and Evans had all those yards, and I would have thought that was a good sign. But Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny. Yes. Mm. Only had 17 yards from scrimmage in that game. I I would not have seen that coming. No. Um, that Because he generally catches enough passes that even if he doesn't have a big running day, he'll still get 50 to 70 yards. He had one catch on one target. Yeah. For six yards. It just, the game never got to Lenny. The game never, I don't know, if... if I think that just nothing worked in that game. Well, some things worked. We got 351 passing yards. Yeah, but where? It took 66 passes. That's the problem. So the <laughs> yards per three. The, well, here's the big difference. 
the Cowboys yards per pass play, average game per pass play, which you get by dividing the total passing yards mm-hmm. by uh, passes plus sacks, so the total number of dropbacks, okay. which is the number of pass plays. Cowboys, 8.7, which is very, very good. Very good. Bucks, 4.9, which is not good. Mm-hmm. You'd be more around 6 to 7 would be more average. Yeah, you'd be happy with that. They were above average. We were below average. And I really thought that even though he only got sacked twice in 68 dropbacks, Tom Brady was under a lot of pressure. Very much so. And that was probably the key to the game. Yeah. And it was. It is. And that's what you do. That's what they did. They shut him down. Well, and you know what? They say these things. But defensively, though, we struggled, too. We Yeah. It, and it seemed like it was breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, I think was it the C.D. Lamb fourth down touchdown where he was just wide open? That was a breakdown. Uh, Todd made a comment that uh, there were plays being missed that were first day installs, yeah. Yeah. which that's not a good thing because it's not a new wrinkle that was added. That, that's your staple defense. We did play a lot of zone, though, which I was surprised at. Is that another thing Dave told you? No, I noticed that myself because we're better man. You can't, go man. you can't go man all the time, though. No, you got to mix true. it up, and you got to disguise what you're doing. Um, Not all the football things are Dave's things, just so you know. <laughs> kind of just letting you know. We, uh, I give him credit for a lot of stuff I tell him, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were just breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder, mm-hmm. The I guess the really positive storyline heading into that game was, Look how many guys are healthy again. It's healthiest we've yeah. been in a long time. That's why I was quite optimistic. And so you got Vita Vea back, and you've got Carlton Davis back, mm-hmm. and you've got Carl Nassib back, and you've got Mike Edwards back, and you've got mm-hmm. Logan Ryan back. But here's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. You know what I'm wow. saying? Now yes. Jamel Dean's yeah. not in the lineup because Sean Murphy Bunny's playing. You know, you, do, you have different safety sets than you've had in recent weeks. That's true. Could... Even though you wanted all those guys out there, could that be part of the reason for communication issues oh. and breakdowns? And and the reason and you know the sort of the rotating lineup all year due to injuries contributed to those problems during the season. Whenever the defense had these games right. where they didn't have great communication and they had some breakdowns, yeah. is that, it, there's no way uh, to know. No, but, but it's possible it's, that merits thought. It does. Um, I, I also to be fair, Dak was really really good. Yeah, he was in control. Yes. And he wasn't pressured very much. No. He, well, and that was the problem. We could not get pressure. And then Todd, in his season-ending press conference, said we need better pressure coming off the edge. Yeah. And that needs to Overall, happen. but I think it's where the edge yeah. where it's been a bit deficient. Mm-hmm. And we just – you didn't have Shaq. Let's not forget that. No, and that's a big deal. You didn't ha- – and I'm not saying this guy has a long track record, but I actually had some high hopes for Cam Gill. Mm-hmm. So he got hurt right away. Um, Shaq's been out since midseason. And – we basically had Carl Nassib missed a month, so there's been it's been two guys, yeah, you know, playing every snap for yep. a while now. That that can't help because I mean I thought Anthony Nelson had a pretty nice season. He had a great season, most improved player. So we need to put. I guess we just need more resources there. You can't mm-hmm. just rely on. And then that wasn't the plan, obviously. No. Guys got hurt, but if you look at our pressure rates from 2020 to now, they dropped like we were at 29 point something percent. In mm-hmm. 2020, yeah. and it dropped to like 27.4% last year, and then it dropped to like 25% this year. Jeez. So our we still got 45 sacks, right. which is only two fewer than the 47 we got in each of the other two years, but we weren't getting as many pressures. Right. So we were doing a better job of finishing sacks when we got there, but our sack rate 
uh, actually was was better than it was last year, but the overall pressure rate was not. And the blitz rate, I mean, Todd Bowles is known for being very aggressive. And this year was a lot lower. I wrote about it yesterday. I don't have the exact numbers memorized, but significantly lower than two years ago. And I wondered about that, and then Todd was asked about it. He said, well, with some injuries in the secondary, uh, we didn't think we could blitz as much. We had to we had to help those guys. We right. couldn't, you know, because every guy you send on a blitz is another guy that's not in coverage. Mm-hmm. So it was by necessity based on the guys that were in there and the guys that weren't in there. And uh, had it been a normal season, they probably would have blitzed a little bit more. Just yeah. didn't really get a chance to as much. Yeah. But you look at it and you got – 5.5 sacks from Devin White. You yeah. Know, you got Yeah, well, you got 4 from uh, Antoine Winfield. I think I think you nailed it there. It's you got the sacks but you didn't get as many pressures. So, yeah. That seems to be the it's Certainly not on Dak, but I thought Dak was really good. I thought I thought I, he, I thought the Cowboys looked good all the way across the board. I mean, they were they were playing uh like their jobs depended on it and certainly, I think they did. <laughs> and they still may be because you got this game. So now they went from uh, if you listen to everybody, the Dallas Cowboys were had you know just weren't very good after losing to the Commanders, and now that, that they win on Monday, it's like oh yeah they're going to the Super Bowl. So there's a big swing. Now what team they are, I don't know. There's it's kind of like what we were somewhere in between, right? And, you know Jerry Jones has said said before this game that. Mike McCarthy's job was not dependent upon them winning that yeah, game. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's a kiss of death. Well, no, I just, Jerry Jones talks to the media so much that no. he's going to get asked these questions. Guys, he does his own, he I does know. A, a weekly radio I know, thing. so it's not like an owner coming out and making a statement who barely, who doesn't talk very often about an embattled mm-hmm. coach. That's when you go, oh, kiss yeah. of death. Jerry Jones is just going to get asked that question a lot. Yeah, so there's going to It's going to be out there. But... Um, I don't think that him saying any of these things completely means that completely excludes the possibility of them making a change. It's kind of hard. He's won two years in a row, twelve games each. But Sean Payton's out there. Yeah. At least for now, Sean Payton's out there. Yeah. All right. Um, it's kind of hard to fire a guy that's won that and then won a playoff game. But stranger things have happened in the NFL. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with that. Hey, did you did you know the big star that was at our game? Yeah, are we allowed to talk about it? Well, why not? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was there, yes. But he didn't want anybody to know. No. He was not trying to get shown. But you know, it's funny, I knew because the security people knew. Yeah, we, <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst kept secret in the building. Well, we all knew in our team, yeah. our digital team, it's just we were also told that he didn't want anything made out of it. So no. we're like, okay, well, Tom Cruise fair. is here, but yeah. okay, that's he's, that's he's being private. Yeah. Which is totally his right. Where was he? Was he in a was he in a boot? No, he was in a suite. A, a suite of yep. his own. Is he uh, guest of somebody we know? Or? Uh, yeah, the owners of the oh, team. Oh, okay. I don't know if they were guests, but I think he was in one of their suites. From when from from my uh, resources, so. Well, that was kind of cool. Yeah. I thought maybe he would repel from the lights or something, <laughs> but that didn't happen. If they did do that, he would do his own stunts. I'll, no question. Because that's what he does. I know, I, and I totally appreciate that. <laughs> I well, do, I do my own stunts too, just so you know. When it was all said and done, now mm-hmm. you know the Bucks had <clears throat> have played the Cowboys in the playoffs before, yeah. but it wasn't since 1982, so we're 40 years. Yeah, before. but it almost looked as bad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the this was eerily similar to what happened in 81 and 82. 
Because and that was only the second and third playoff appearances the franchise ever made. The Bucks, not the Cowboys. Uh huh. And I think they won in nineteen eighty one. Uh, we were the division winners, but there were no wild cards yet. So you, as the lowest of the division winners, we had to go to Dallas or something like that, yeah. and they beat us thirty-eight to nothing. Yeah. And then in nineteen eighty-two was the strike year, nine games played, and the and the NFL just made what they called a Super Bowl tournament, uh-huh. and eight teams from each conference got in, and there were only fourteen teams in each conference at that point. So one to eight, the Buccaneers were the seventh seed, so they had to go to Dallas again because they were the two seed. And that one was like, it's like this one, thirty-one fifteen, something like that. Yeah. And now here we go again, thirty-one fifteen. Ouch. Those other two were in Dallas. This one was. Uh, here I'm gonna look it up to be sure. Yeah. It. It. I don't know. So much. I, I guess probably the hardest part about this season. Thirty to seventeen was uh, the score. So that's really close. Yes. Uh, the hardest part about this season, I think, is just the anticipation and the expectation anticipation. that. Uh, the team was going to do so much better, and I and I think yeah, but if you didn't have if you didn't have the hype in the front, you know, I mean, you had 13 wins last year. Um, you kind of felt good that you know you could make another run at it, and it just didn't materialize. Yeah, it, it's not low like the Bucks went 12 and five and were the three seed, and then got humbled and upset and saw their season surprisingly come to an end You're right. to a six seed or something. Yeah. It it was an eight and nine season where nothing ever really came together. I think that was So it, it was that's why I say in the top. It's not it's terrible and we're all disappointed and I'm sure they expected to play much better on Monday night, but it's not an unbelievably surprising result. It was almost like the way the season went. Yeah. That game was like the season. Yeah. Start out, yeah, hey, couple of stops, this is looking good, got a sack. All right. This is okay. Now we know. And then, yeah, what happened? That's the question. And the bigger question is what's going to happen. Well, yeah, we got we could talk for hours on that. Which was, you know, it. it I forgot. Uh, you know, having that we had COVID for the last few years, or twenty twenty one, uh, the locker rooms weren't open. There were things that you couldn't do. And this year, everything went back to normal. And it was many as many years as I've done this. It was still very strange down being downstairs yesterday when players were cleaning out their lockers. Uh, the trash bag day. Yeah, which is truly, if you don't know, when players leave, they leave with a big trash bag. Everybody gets issued one big. Ju- I'm sure they could get more, but mm-hmm. one big, really big black trash very bag. Very heavy, visqueen type. Well, it has to hold a lot. Yeah. They, and and they sling them over their shoulder like Santa Claus, and they walk out yep. to the parking lot to their car with everything from their locker. Yeah. Even guys that are going to be back. Right. They clean out their lockers. Right. And they do it that day, the day after the last game. And that's because always the, big trash bags. That's because the locker room guys have to do inventory. They got to make sure everything's yeah. clean. And God, there's a lot of post mortem to get. Yes, done. there is. So. Well, if you wanted to talk about what's going, what's ahead, Jeff? Maybe well, I don't know how well you can read that from there, but look at that list on my board. I see it. You know but what I can't, that is? Um, a list of uh, pending free agents. Oh, the UFAs are on the top, and then the RFAs and the anybody uh, interesting up there. <laughs> uh, I'll read the whole list. All right, do that. This would be, and I think there are twenty-three of them. All right, maybe tw- maybe twenty-five. Now, are these key top? Or these are ju- these are twenty three of them. These are our free agents. These are all of the players on our team whose contracts will expire on March fifteenth or sixteenth. Right. I think it's sixteenth. 
if they uh, don't get a new deal done by then. Okay, so I, I can't really read it from there. I'm going to read them all in okay. alphabetical order, but obviously some of the names are going to stand out. Sure. Jannard Avery, the outside linebacker. All right. Uh, running back, Gio Bernard. Quarterback, Tom Brady. Hmm. Kind of a big one. That's kind of. A lot of these guys, technically, they have a couple of years, like Brady does and Levante does, have a couple more years technically on their contract past 23 when they signed it, but they're automatically voiding years. So it'll be a certain date where they automatically avoid. So even though right now there's some years left on their contract, there aren't really. So how do you activate that contract? You don't. I'm saying like... Okay, they're just pushed to the future. I see what you mean now. No, let me try to explain it a little bit. Well, the reason why I'm saying is that avoidable saying like, okay, I want to be a free agent, or is it where the club could exercise it and say, hey, we're going to exercise it. They're not options, okay? Okay. These are... These are... And this is a fairly new development, in, or at least that I'm aware of. Um, years on the on the contract that automatically void, All right. like the players can't do anything about it, the team can't do anything about it. So when Tom Brady signed his contract before 2021, it was a it was actually a six year deal. Mm. So that did he sign last? No, he. He had to sign a new. He had to sign. Well, he retired, and he was still right. underneath contract, so he would be underneath the original contract. So, yeah. Okay. You see, so he he, he did three years. No, this this spot check says that he signed a one year deal in twenty twenty two. I thought it was already under contract. I thought he was under contract too because he retired, and that's why we would have to be. That yeah. He couldn't go wherever he wanted to go. We would have to. He was under contract to us. In any case, that was the big story. In, yeah. In any case, there are four automatically voiding years after that, 23 through 26. Uh-huh. Um, and the reason you do that is you're trying to reduce his cap hit on the year that he's playing. Right. And so by spreading it out, you are um, you're, pushing it. You're giving yourself more you're pushing room to get other people. Some of the hit of the yeah. contract off to the next year. So. As a, as a result, if Tom Brady is not back next year, we have I think even if he is, we have a thirty five million dollar dead cap hit from his contract. Wow! So that's why you do it. Anyway, that was just an aside. That's a thing the Buccaneers hadn't done for a long time. They only started doing it a couple years ago when Tom Brady came here, when the Super Bowl window opened up, and they wanted to extend it as sure. long as possible. So you, you saw that on some contracts, like the next guy on my list here, Levante David, has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this as of as of right now, he still is under contract, quote-unquote, through 23, 24, and 25. But again, those are automatically voiding deals that will void on the last league day of 2022. Mm-hmm. So that would be like March 15th. <clears throat> um, so you treat them right now as if they're going to be free agents because they will be. So uh, that, that, for instance, allowed the Bucks to spread out the cap hit because you, know, you can give them a signing bonus you can give them a lot of their salary as signing bonus mm-hmm. or as, as some amount of it, and then you, that then prorates out over the length of the deal, which at the time was four years but um, or five years. But it really, uh, it, it, whenever those automatically avoid, then that cap hit accelerates, and you end up with dead cap. So he, he'll have a dead cap hit for us for almost $7 million. Wow. Bucks have a number of these, and they knew they were doing that. Sure. I mean, think of the Saints. They've been doing that for like a decade, kicking the can down the road. And you always think they're going to have to bite the bullet. And they do lose some guys here yeah. and there. They can't re-sign everybody. But that's just a thing teams do now. It's going to be tough for the Bucks in this cycle 
trying to get under the salary cap for next year because at the moment, right now. Well, you also know you also hope that the salary cap's going to go up. You do. You could get some relief there. Yeah. Um, and that'll definitely help. But at the moment, we're projected 50, almost fifty-five million over the cap on the players we have under contract mm-hmm. and the dead cap hits. Wow. I mean, I can remember some years looking at this um, this list here on Spotrac, right? And seeing our dead cap money be like two thousand dollars. I mean, just something ridiculously small. But um, it's going to be a lot more than that this year. Well, if anybody can figure it out, it's uh, Greeny and Jackie. Yeah. So <laughs> they have no choice. They have to figure it They'll out. They'll figure it out. they got to figure it out. Better them than me. I'm yeah. glad I don't have to do no, that. No, if you, if you give me in math, it just doesn't work. I have a hard go with that. Okay, continuing on, I said Levante David yes. after Brady. Cornerback, Jamel Dean. Safety, mm-hmm. Mike Edwards. Quarterback, Blaine Gabbert. D-lineman, Will Golston. D-lineman, Akeem Hicks. Wide receiver Julio Jones, wide receiver Scotty Miller. Wow, I Corner, that. Yeah, just because he was a yeah. draft pick in 2019. Cornerback wow. Sean Murphy Bunting. Uh, outside linebacker Carl Nassib. Safety Keanu Neal. Outside linebacker Anthony Nelson. Defensive lineman Raheem Nunez Roches and Patrick O'Connor. Wide receiver Brashad Perryman. Tight end Kyle Rudolph. Safety Logan Ryan. Defensive lineman Deidrin Sanat. Guard Aaron Stinney and tackle Josh Wells. And then Cam Gill's a restricted free agent, so you'll be able to keep him if you want to. Same thing with exclusive rights free agents, cornerback D. Delaney and guard Nick Leverett. Wow. That's a lot of work to do. I would say uh, the roster is going to look a little bit different this season. Yeah, I think the key things here, obviously the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but the, the three guys that we drafted for the secondary in 2019, none of them were first-round picks. Right. So they all get standard four-year deals with no option year. Um, and so that means 2019, 20, 21, 22, those four-year deals are up now. So that was Sean Murphy bunting yeah. in the second round and Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards in the third round. Worked out great. Yeah. All those guys yeah. couldn't turn out pretty good, and and, um, and you had them on that rookie contract for four years. Right. But now you got to do something. Yeah, and that makes it hard when you're having the cap issue. And you drafted a guy last year, Zion McCollum, but uh, don't know what you have in him yet. He's mostly a special teamer I, at this point. I'll tell you what, though. he He's fast. He's fast. He gets down the field. Yeah, it, it, it is amazing how fast he is. Um, yeah, so I, I, sure, we could possibly keep all three. Uh-huh. Um, but as the betting man would probably say you don't end up keeping all of those guys. You end up having to prioritize somebody over somebody else. So who is it? And some guys like it want to change. Yeah, you know, I mean, they want to change the scenery. They want to play more. They're, exactly. They're not in an opportunity to you, play as much as they want. You you reacted when I said Scotty Miller's name. Yeah. Maybe he'd like to go somewhere where he's not like the sixth receiver. Right, and he could be he could be like the number three receiver on other teams. So uh, I mean, we're not predicting or hoping no, for that. No. I'd like to see him back, and maybe Scotty, he wants to come back. Scotty Miller will always be in Buccaneer lore for the Green Bay touchdown. The Green Bay touchdown. <clears throat> That'll you, you know what? They can take away anything they want, but they can't take away that. Five years from now, when I have to write the daily trivia for yes. for the app, they'd be like, "Who scored right before halftime yeah, of yep. the 2020?" Wow! And people go, "That's Scotty Miller. I know yep. that one." So when, I'm looking for. Sometimes I look for. Medium, hard, or, or easy questions uh-huh. that would fall under the easy category. Easy category. Anyway, all it, those guys, Jeff, uh-huh. can't keep them all. Probably don't even necessarily want to keep all of them. But the other the other position where you have a lot to figure out is the defensive lineman. Because as I said, Will Golston, Akeem Hicks, Nacho, and Patrick O'Connor, and Deidre Sanat. Mm-hmm. Basically, you got Vita Vea and Logan Hall. 
That's what you got under contract there. Wow. So there's a lot of work to do there. Probably going to need Logan Hall to step up into a bigger role. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the one that everybody's curious about is you know, which way that's going to go. Well, I mean, he was the 33rd overall pick, so I mean, you could come along slowly, but I, you got to imagine this was a guy they considered to be a long-term starter. Yeah. And hopefully, that's what he develops into. That that was the plan. And then you know the the other thing, the the name there that I almost started with was Tom Brady. So yeah. what's Tom Brady going to do? Only I would say only Tom Brady knows, but I wouldn't be sure he knows right away either. I was just going to say, I don't even think he even knows. I mean, I know everybody's making a big deal out of him thanking everybody, and he did say he loved, you know, the organization. Yeah. And a lot of people took that as, uh, you know, that... that it was a farewell. A farewell. His mom and dad were in the tunnel, kind of were choking back tears. He kissed his mom and dad when he went through the tunnel. So everybody's reading into all of this stuff, but... From listening to, to all the things Tom said throughout the year, to me it, it just sounds like he doesn't know what he wants to do, and he's in no hurry to make that decision. He doesn't have to, but he want before he says what he's going to do, he wants to make sure that he's a hundred percent. Yeah, this is what I, he doesn't want to go through last year again, where right. I'm retiring, I'm unretiring, which makes it so the things you just discussed, the things that look like clues, right? His statement to the media after the game and his mom and dad being mm-hmm. in the tunnel, it kind of makes those irrelevant. Yeah, because I look at it as maybe he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but if I don't have a chance to say thank you, I'm going to say thank you now. And that could also mean, that could also be useful if he does continue playing but chooses to play somewhere else. Right. Because he, the statement he gave was bas- wasn't basically he was making a nice statement to the media that covers the team. All yeah, year. he said thank you for being, being respectful. I hope I was respectful back to you. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, since unless you are under the impression or under the belief that he really does already know what he wants to do, then those little, which clearly you don't think so, and I think I agree with you, those little clues don't really mean anything. And I would not be so shocked that if he played, that he plays here. No, that wouldn't be shocking at all. You know, and everybody goes, well, why would he do that? Why would he, you know, how many more years, I mean, let's, let's be honest about this. How many more years... Can Tom play in this league? Yeah. All right. Maybe. I think he can go another year. I think it's going to be hard for him to go into the broadcast booth and be able to talk about a game when he's looking down and he realizes that he's as good as at least 15 of the quarterbacks in the league right now. So that's that's a hard thing to walk away from. Um, but to come back here... In a year's time, he's comfortable with ownership, comfortable with the general it, manager. Those are very important things. If you want to play at least one more year, but you're looking for the path of least resistance, the thing that's going to cause the least upheaval in your life, mm-hmm. then it's staying with the Buccaneers, right? Right. So if those things, and and I think he would have to be convinced that, that there's a shot of you yeah, know, there's, there's some pieces there that we can make better. Some things have to be improved. Uh, he'd have to be convinced that at least the effort was going to be made mm-hmm. for those, and that there would be a possibility. Because, like, like I said, really bad cap situation. Probably not going to be able to make every move you want to make. But I, but I'll say this: I think every effort is going to be made to try to win, regardless whether Tom Brady's here or not. Well, I mean, it would be kind of malpractice <laughs> yeah. if they weren't trying to win. So that there's that too. But there's a difference between the coaches putting in the work and the players putting in the work, and them all going out there and trying their hardest mm-hmm. on game day, right. and trying to win in terms of. Okay, we're in cap hell, but we don't care. We'll kick the problem down the road again. Mm-hmm. 
and continue to be aggressive in signings and re-signings. That's different. That's a different part of trying to win or not. Right. And how crazy would it be? Well, not crazy, but, you know, in a ha-ha kind of funny way, is um, Cam Brake would be the trivia question if Tom retired. Last touchdown? Last touchdown. <clears throat> well, that'd be fun which, for Cam. Yeah, which, yeah, well, <laughs> well I, I liked Cam's reaction in the locker room there talking about, you know, it could be Tom Brady's did last touchdown. Did he keep touchdown. the ball? I believe he did. Okay, go ahead. When, but he said that uh, it could be Tom Brady's last touchdown, and Cam goes, could be mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's Cam. He's got a great yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. But, you know, you talk about it, what, he played nine years. He's had a great career. He had a great career. He, he had a scare this year. So, um, you know, he got concussed. And, um, you know, and he is a cap hit, though. He, he's, Either he's way, due, stay or go. Yeah. Yeah, one way or another. So that'll be um, something to keep an eye on. But that that really has no bearing on if no. he decides he's done. No. Just, well, I don't even. Yeah, that's not like, whether or not it's a cap hit. It's right. his decision. Right. Uh, in addition to putting all their stuff in black trash, trash bags and carrying them out to the uh-huh. car yesterday, it was also the last open locker room. Mm-hmm. So there were a handful of interviews that took place, and there were some interesting things from those, such as Shaq Barrett. You know, because when a guy gets hurt, they stop talking. They, it's like a team policy, essentially. It's yeah. not like he has been avoiding the media. They just We don't really make injured players available mm-hmm. to the media. But he was in there, and he was gracious enough to talk at the end of the season. You know, he had the Achilles in, in, uh, tendon tear mm-hmm. week eight, I believe. Um. So you don't you wonder then what's the timetable because I've seen I, you know we saw the running back I think Cam Akers not this year but the last year uh-huh. tearing Achilles in like late July and then be back for the playoffs and everybody's losing their minds they did that in six months I've I've seen before twelve month prognoses I guess if you split the difference nine months he should be ready mm-hmm. well he he says he's almost back to his normal walking stride yeah he is and that he expects to be ready for the first game next year he <clears throat> he had a uh, push cart that had a couple cases of water on it and some, a dolly a dolly yes and he had just uh some of will Golston stuff on it <laughs> and as he came through the door i asked him i said do you want me to push that for you and he goes no i'm good this is my exercise he goes i'm tired of everybody wanting to do something for me i'm now to the point where i can do it on my own so i thought i thought that was a good sign yeah that was good and then then the next guy that talked was another shack shack mason uh-huh. you know he was asked about um russell gage he just says it's tough to see a brother fall like that yeah but the thing that i wrote down was that he said those are the type of things that uh, make you cherish every moment in this game. Yeah, because you don't yes. know when you're just going to be your last. Well, yeah, well, w- people should treat life like that. And okay, this is good. I was having a hard time remembering, and I think I've already referenced it either here or yesterday on the radio. That he, Shaq, was the one who said we just had a tough time getting over the hump, and that's uh, the way the whole season yes. felt. That's like that's like the best way to describe this entire yep. season. Yep. Bucks won their first two games, but didn't exactly light up the world on offense. No. Defense was good those first two weeks. Right. And then from then on, you just kept struggling. You had the game you lost 14-12 to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's scoring that many points against the defense that ended up being just okay. I know, and you were just <clears throat> waiting for it to click. Exactly. And I, and I honestly believe that the team felt that they were going At to. At some point, it was going to come it, together. We're, get, we're, gonna, you know, we're working hard. We're doing this. It's going to happen. 
and it and then and then right before the playoffs, you get the Carolina game. Yeah, the offense has probably its best day. It did. The big plays are there with Mike Evans, and you're like, okay, finally, as the playoffs yeah. arrive, they're turning the corner. And then the Atlanta game, you can just wash that one away. And then you get to the playoffs, and it's just basically the same well, way they well, you, played in week eight. Well, you kind of felt that way in the game in Germany against Seattle. That was you, coming you, around, but you, then it you, didn't. Yeah, you kind of thought, okay, we turned the corner. We okay, here we go. Out. We got a little yeah. bit of a running yeah, game going yep, now. Yep. yep. Yeah. And then you get some guys back from injuries. You get Tristan Wirfs back from missing like three games, and you're like, okay. Oh, and I, I'm, I'm going to be nice here for a second. You did do radio yesterday for for me, and you did a really nice job. Oh, thank you. I actually listened to the whole thing. <laughs> uh, you had some good insights. I was the sacrificial lamb at the end of the season. Yeah, well, what we do, we have an end-of-the-season thing, uh, and usually the coaches, you know, whoever the head coach is, you know, we like to do a wrap of the, of, of the season, and... Um, then we always have a position coach or somebody on the backside, and you filled in for us because at the when, she'd already used everybody. <laughs> well, we, Casey and I had a discussion about it, and she goes, "What do you think about Scott?" And I said, "That's a great idea. We know he's going to show up. I'm after always the game. available. We, well, we know he's going to come into the building, win or lose. <laughs> we know we can get a hold of him, and then um, we'll we'll go from there. Uh, but it was funny, not it." it I forgot that, you know, coaches like to do exit interviews. Well, Todd wanted to do them, so now we're trying to figure out what time we're going to do all of this. So thank goodness you were in the building because um, we just barely made it in time for airtime. By by exit interviews, what he means is that um, Todd has a, a scheduled list of when each player is going to come into his office. Yeah. And they're going to have – I don't know. I'd like, to, I'd like to be a fly on the wall for some of those to see what they talk about in there. But I imagine it's a – this is what – this is how we felt about your performance this year. This is the things you did well. This is this is what we think our plan is for you. If you know that kind of thing. Yes, it is. It is Scott. You need to be nicer to Jeff coming up in the rest of the season. Those type of things. I see. Uh huh. I don't think this uh, podcast would be improved if I were nicer to you. Well, there's that too. There is that. What else you got on your? I will say this: you have a little notebook this week. You're not going to the magic drawer. You've got. I, a, I got. I got stuff here on my laptop. I know, but I. This but was I, from the locker. I know. I like this little notebook. That's real old school. Tristan Wirfs. Um, my wife bought them for me because nice. I had told her that I liked them because this size fits in your pocket. Yes, in your back pocket. Uh huh. Tristan Wirfs said that um, you know after his his first two years in the league, he dropped right into a situation where the Bucks were really going for it, mm-hmm. and you remember all the players that mm-hmm. we signed, and then after the 2020 season, re-signed everybody, keep the band together, and even last year, yeah. you, you got you brought back like Carlton and Leonard and several others, Chris Godwin. So for him, if the Bucks are for, forced by this long list we just read and their bad cap situation to bid farewell to some players... Uh, it's going to be kind of a new experience for Tristan. So mm-hmm. losing guys would be tough. Yeah. There are some people in the building that had never experienced um, players cleaning out the locker room, and they said, this is really sad. And I go, <laughs> yeah, it's part of the business. Well, I've never seen this before. <clears throat> well, this this is the underbelly. This is the other side. Uh, Levante, he currently has no idea on his timetable and is just going to chill for a while Yeah, think it over. Yeah, I, I, I will say I purposely went down uh, to the locker room yesterday, and I purposely sought Levante out, and I'm not going to share my conversation with him. But I did have a great conversation, and he's one of the good guys. And, yeah. you know, after 11 seasons, 
Uh, you know, the the only thing I will share, as I said uh, to him, I said crazy three years considering the other years that were, and we both realized that uh, how fortunate we are that we had three good solid years right yeah, now. You yeah, yeah. And and as da as down as everybody is, if you're a Buck fan, you need to just step back for a second and realize in the last three seasons you've had a Super Bowl win, you had a thirteen and um, four season. Type, which tied for the best regular season record? Right, and won a division, and then you won a division. So you two, won two. two divisions in a row. So it, those three years is you know pretty solid. Now, I, would, I would be willing to bet that most fans listening to this already feel that way. Yeah. Now, if you would have reversed it and had your third year as your first year, your building, your second year as your second year, first year as your third year, then everybody would go, "Wow, look how you built yeah, up." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We so, just did it in reverse. But hey, listen. Whatever order you can get a Super Bowl, you better take it. And, and I think and the two Rams, other division. I think the Rams proved that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway, I, I I hope Levante decides to come back. He said in his quote when he's asked about it, and I don't expect a player to know team history off mm -hmm. front and back off the top of his head. But he said he he thinks the only he's been here for. 11 seasons, and he thinks the only guys that were longer were Derek and, and Rondé, Derek uh -huh. Brooks and Rondé Barber. And uh, he's not exactly – the reason I bring that up is because I'm like, I don't think those are the only two. Was so he's it not, Will? How many? No, Will's only – Will's been here since 13, so Will's done 10 years. 10, okay. No, but um, – uh blanking now. What? On, on, oh, Paul Gruber. Oh, yeah. Paul Gruber had 12 years. And, right. and there's another one who played um, – let me see, because I think 13 that you really should know, Jeff. Dave Moore. Yeah, Dave Moore. He played 15 total in the NFL. Right, 13 with the Buccaneers. Right. And I said he Paul Gruber two, already. He spent two with Buffalo. Uh, John Lynch had 11. Mm-hmm. But I guess he said more, so I'm looking for right. Tyler Moore. Right, Brian Kelly had 10. Brian Kelly's one wow, of the more. quiet guy. You forget how long Brian was around. Uh, Gruber had 12. Brian was is one of the more underrated players mm -hmm. in team history. I I totally agree. Totally agree. Demar Dotson, Levante, Demar Dotson at ten. Yeah. This is scintillating. Well, audio, you, isn't it? Well, you try to figure it out. I thought there was one more that. Oh, Allstott. Oh yeah, how many years? Well, he's listed as um, in our all-time roster as having. Twelve seasons. Okay. Since nineteen six, but, but he one of those played. he he was yeah, the last he, one he didn't play. Right. Right. He he was out and then he retired. Yeah. <clears throat> so. But he he almost had it right. He he had this. Levante had the. Fair uh, enough. He had the spirit of what he was saying correct. Sure. That's it. I see blank page after that. Yeah, we got more over All here. All right. Uh, we don't have. We only have like two. We don't have hardly any questions today. Yeah. In fact, I, we've got two emails, but I don't know if either of them is even a question. So. Okay. Uh, so we we don't have to hurry to get to that. All right. What else you got? On that magic list of yours. Well, there's a lot of stuff from around the league. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, no, let's do this next because I just mentioned his name. Look at the board over there. Ah, let me turn around. You see those three lists? I do. S-S-J-T-M-P. So three of us every year, when the list of finalists for the Hall of Fame come out, okay. we try to guess what Who's the Hall of Fame class will be. Fair enough. Which five guys will make it, because they always pick five these days. Yeah. And uh, if you look at that, all three of us included Rondé Barber on our list. You know, for a second there, I looked at yours, and <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute, you didn't put Rondé. That's because there. after one of the other guys made a point of putting the 
accent mark at the end on Rondé's name uh-huh. on the E, yeah. I decide to write out his actual full name, You're right. which is Jamal Orande Barber. Uh-huh. Any case, all three of us, our guess is he's going to make it. Uh, I saw Rondé on an interview. He seemed to feel confident that this was his, going to be his year. What do you think, Jeff? I think he should be in. I, there's, that's, that's not, there's no, we that. both feel that way, no question. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Not gonna, as confident I, as I, us? I'm not. I, and uh, on uh, our part, I, I mean, I did a voiceover for uh, a Rondé highlight video. Yeah. Um, the one where he showed all of his touchdowns. Y- yeah, they showed all his touchdowns, and I did a uh, an invoice of uh, an invoice. I should invoice them for my voiceover. <laughs> that must be on my Your mind. Talents. Must be on my mind right now. Um, that uh, I, I just I don't I I get very very frustrated because I don't I don't I'm not sure how they're voting why they don't see it. Yeah, that, why is it taking four right, years, five years? If you if you look at if you look at the numbers, his numbers are better than people that are in the Hall of Fame. Well, his touchdowns for a non-offensive player are ridiculous. Right, right. <clears throat> and so, but what makes it tough is is Revis is going in. So are they going to say, well, we can't put two in? This so you're time. you because they both picked Revis and I did not. Yeah. Oh, I think he's he's in. There's See, no question. I don't think he has to be a first ballot guy. Oh, though. but he is. He's in. There's no question. No there, question. No question. That's why I, I, when I saw, I, I believe there is only four slots this year because he's automatically in. I don't agree. Okay. I think that those guys in that room can look at that career. I know. I know he had his peak. Yeah. No. But he didn't have nearly the longevity that Rondé did, or, or the long. No, I understand that, but he was in. The New numbers York. aren't even close, by Correct. the way. Rondé's numbers absolutely blow Revis. You out are of the absolutely water. right. But he's coming out of New York, and well, and he had that reputation as being the absolute shutdown corner. He was he was the island, no fly zone here. I mean, it was. I, Whereas when when the detractors try to bring down Rondé, they say he was a system corner, which is stupid. Oh, you're. I know. I can see how mad. Well, you're. I every player that's good is a system. He player. plays in some system. You, you have to. That to me is. Oh. It wasn't, but you know how you know when you look at Rondé, how good. I mean, he started out. He was on the bubble, as you well know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But the fact, look at the guys that he played around. All right, that caliber, he matched the Brooks, the Lynch, you know, Sap. the Sap. He matched that, and people thought they could take the Tampa two, and take it somewhere. Here's the system. We're going to run this. Well, unless you have the players, you can't run it. And he was one of the players. Rondé so, made the system work. Yeah, and that just that just oh god, that frustrates. It's a, it, the argument doesn't make any sense. I think I heard a quote recently. I can't remember who it was. Somebody said, "If you take out all the players who were good in a certain system." Then you're only going to have two players in the Hall of Fame left: Jerry Rice and Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> That's, but it, it just doesn't make sense. No. Wherever you go, you're going to right. be in some defensive system. Yes. If you're the reason, or one of the key reasons that that system is so successful, that means you're really, really good. We are in the press box, and um, I was talking to Ira Kaufman, who is the uh, our presenter, our this presenter. area's presenter in the right, hall. right, and. He felt that he had a good shot at it, but oh, un- but unfortunately, it's on um, Zoom. It's not in person, 
and we were discussing that you lose kind of the For passion sure. yeah. when you don't have that. So I'm kind of bummed about that. All right? Yep. So, so my other part of the story is Kurt Warner walked up and uh, we said hello and Ira said, hey, I'm presenting for Ronde. And Kurt, and he goes, and Ira asked what Kurt thought, Kurt Warner thought of him. And he said, when I played, I had to know where he was. Right. I had to know that he was a smart player. He could second guess you and be right. And I was like, dang, now that's something, you know, now, a Hall of Fame quarterback saying. Do you know who didn't know where Rondé was at the key moment? Uh, the Philadelphia Donovan Eagles. McNabb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so on that incredible play, this is just a great illustration of what you're yeah. saying. Earlier in the game, Rondé had, had come up right to the line of scrimmage in the slot and had blitzed out of that spot. So at this moment, they're at... They're around the 10-yard line. Rondé comes up to that same position, makes sure that Donovan sees him in that spot, and then maybe a millisecond before the snap, drops back to knowing two steps, knowing that Donovan, believing he's going to blitz, is going to throw the hot read to the guy that he's not covering. Right. Instead, Rondé baited him into that, and then as soon as the throw, as soon as he turned to throw, Rondé jumped it two steps to his right, was in the perfect position to catch it. He he made that play happen, and he made Donovan not know where he was. Right. And he and Donovan got burned because of it. And that's right. what Kurt Warner's saying. You can't let that happen to you because he will do that to he you. He said, and, and interesting too is he changed position during that time. You know, football just changes all the time. But if you look at what Rondé was doing, he was an innovator. Yeah. In 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 the positions he played in terms, and, and how he played it. Yeah. In terms of. Uh, Starting on the outside, but going into the slot, which is a thing a lot of teams do with guys now. Like, right. what's what we do with Antoine Winfield? We start him at safety, then put him in the slot. So, Aranda ends up playing a whole lot of his snaps as a slot corner. And for a good portion of his career, I think slot corners were considered slightly lower level than regular corners, which is not the case at all anymore. Teams very right. much want a great slot corner now. Yes. And they're not that necessarily easy to find. So, um, he... He has that on his resume. He started doing things that not now everybody does in terms of both the hybrid role and what he does in the slot right. and being an important part of run defense. I mean, he might have the most tackles ever by a defensive back. It's hard to get exact tackle totals on everybody that you can trust, but he's up there for sure. Right. And um, he had all the sacks. So he has that. He has being an innovator. He has the touchdown number, which is just a huge number, an eye pop. And it's like having... 500 homers in baseball, right? Yeah. And then, and then he's got the iconic moment that I just described, which sent the Bucks to the Super Bowl. And then he's got a stat that nobody else has with the only player in NFL history with at least 40 sat, or interceptions and at least 25 sacks. He has right. 40, 47 and 28. That's everything. Yeah. And he won a championship. Right. And he had longevity. He played 60. Yes. He has records for consecutive games, starts by, by a cornerback and by a defensive back. What does he not have on his resume? Show me a hole. Well, that's just it. And he did it all on the same team. Well, that's good. And that's good. Right. Anyway, uh, I don't know. But nevertheless, I think this is his fourth year as a finalist. He hasn't gotten in yet. And I'm just saying I wrote his name up there. I think he, I think this is the year for him. And, and I'm going to... I know this is probably, I would probably be in a very 
big minority on this opinion, but I don't think that Revis is an absolute deadlock I, this I, year. In his first year, he's 100% a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he is there. I think they I think they go Rondé this year, and then they go Revis next year. I I I I hope you are absolutely right, but I think Revis goes in right away. Well, my other four choices, the guy I actually think is a dead lock, and all three of us did, is Joe Thomas. He's my number one guy that it'll, it'll shock me if he's not on that. Yeah. So I picked Joe Thomas and Rondé, Torrey Holt, because I think as they try to get all these receivers in, right. he's the next one on the list, uh, Demarcus Ware, who's been waiting a few years as well, uh-huh. and then Zach Thomas. I personally am not a big Zach Thomas fan, right. but I, he's, I think that um, – Football people thought he was just the greatest thing ever. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins linebacker. Yeah. So that's my group. Um, the other two did pick Revis. Mm-hmm. One, of them, one of them picked Dwight Freeney, and one of them picked yeah. – well, another one picked DeMarcus Ware like me. Yeah. So. You guys are all pretty close. Yeah. The only difference, I don't have Revis, and they don't have – and Zach Thomas. He doesn't have – yeah, I'm the only one with Zach Thomas. He doesn't have – DeMarcus Ware, and he doesn't have Dwight Freeney. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, we're both uh, right. Why? Well, because I just, I'm I'm afraid. I'm right. Well, I know, but but see, but the problem problem is if they're only going to go with one corner, they're going to go with Revis. I just think that's just how the media thinks. And, and, you know, that's a whole other story of of how Hall of Fame is done and, and everything. I think... At one time, it made perfectly good sense the way they're they're doing it. But now times have changed. There's different ways to get information. There's other ways to follow the team. I'd like to see a combination of of writers, players, and scouts. Scouts, you know, or pro personnel people. You know, I I would like to see that kind of combination. Yeah, but those people that are on the committee aren't going to voluntarily give up their spots. Well, there's that because. There's no ego involved there, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Well, we don't we don't have to wait too long. No, um, no. Uh, I mean we three weeks. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Right. It's, it's it seems like a long time actually. It, it's a very long time. It's three weeks away. All right. Um, couple more things. All right. <clears throat> things to me after watching what you said indeed was a um, really nice weekend of football. Uh-huh. Things seem to be breaking right for the Chiefs. Yes. Since they get uh, they get Jacksonville next, and I think Jacksonville will give them a good fight. Uh-huh. They have to beat them first. But after that, if they do, they'll either be playing Cincinnati or Buffalo in the um, – it'll be neutral site in Atlanta uh-huh. in the AFC Championship game. Um, I don't think that hurts either one more than the other. Buffalo would have a nice home field advantage. Chiefs would have a nice home field advantage. So that doesn't bother me that much. But um, – Cincy, if it's Cincy, they've got all these offensive line injuries again. Yeah, Poor Alex Kappa yeah. among them. Uh, and then and then Allen and the Bills, great team, great team. But Josh Allen just seems to be turning the ball over on a consistent basis these days. Mm-hmm. Like they, going back into the last four or five weeks of the regular right, season. And right. I think it makes them vulnerable. In fact, I might even pick Cincy in this game this weekend if it wasn't for those O-line injuries. What do you think of the uh, championship game being in a neutral site if it's the Bills? And I think I just explained that. But yeah, okay. but, but, but what do you think about it, as in not why it happened? How do you feel about I it? I think it's fair because the okay. reason they did it is because they didn't play that game, Buffalo did not. If Buffalo had won their last two games, yeah. they would have been the home field advantage. All right. um, so the Chiefs deserve it as well because they did end up with the best record. Sure. So... I think it's a fair solution, and like I said, 
Um, it's not, I don't think one or the other would have had a better home field advantage. Either one of them have great crowds and would have been great at home. So playing it in Atlanta seems fair to me. Yeah, and they, it won't be as much fun. No, I'd much rather see that game in. Buffalo. Well, it depends on who travels. I mean, you know, those are traveling; those are traveling people, and the tickets are now on sale. That is that is absolutely true, and that's one of the reasons why they chose Atlanta because it's relatively equidistant from Buffalo and Kansas City. No, that's a good. So they thought it was relatively there go, fair. That's, that's fair for those who are and traveling. You, and you know, if you have a shot at it, you know you're going to go. I mean, what a great weekend! It's going to be great to see which one of those teams. Ends up with the bigger fan base there. That'll because you know it's oh, kind of the competition. Yeah, I mean, assuming those are the two in it. Yeah, I mean Buffalo and and oh uh, yeah, you uh, and then can, oh yeah, I, I think it'd be pretty close because they're you know a solid fan base. So, a um, couple other notes I have here. Um, right. Again, I've said this a few weeks ago. Yellow cleats should be banned. Yes, because it constantly looks like there's a flag. Also, on the yellow field. gloves. Yellow gloves, too. Uh, Ban yellow gloves. It's funny. You must have been in the living room. (laughs) I was not in the the family room because I was complaining about that loudly uh, every time I would think. And I would, why would you, why would you have to have yellow? If you got to wear gloves. It was probably the Vikings, right? It was Vikings players. Yes. Because that is one of their colors. I don't care. I don't either. A minor part. Wear some purple gloves. You know, and also the Chargers because they have Chargers too. Yeah. Oh, they have the best uniforms. Yeah. Which you talk about a game with was a heartbreaker, (laughs) or an exciting. Yay, Jacksonville! Yeah. I tell you what. Uh, Who would have thought that of all three teams in the playoffs, it would be the Jags that would continue? You mean from Florida? From Florida, yes. Yeah, that is true that all three Florida teams made the playoffs. I'll have to look up the last time that happened, if it's ever happened. Right. Um, uh, Oh, I've always loved the Chargers, so I didn't like seeing them lose. But Uh that Jacksonville team, it looks like it could be a lot of fun, too. But that was an all-time... Yeah. Uniform mismatch. I, the Chargers' incredibly awesome uniforms against those teal yeah. travesties. It was like you kind of looked at it and went, wow, they really need to adjust that. <laughs> one team got it right. Um, one team did not. <laughs> did you uh, did you watch the broadcast? Did you watch it coming out of the halftime? I don't remember. Okay. When they were talking to Tony Dungy, because Tony was the color analyst. Oh, was this the part about it. the field? No, this was the part about... Well, Tony, when you were coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, you were behind such and such a score against the Bucks, and I was going to text you and go, "Up, oh, they're bringing this up again." <laughs> and Tony said, "Yeah, all I told my guys is that when we come out, we have to make a stop, and then when we get the ball, we have to score. If we do that, we're in the game." And that's what he said. That that's what they had to do. And I was like, "Going, oh man, this is." And when it yeah. happened, I was like, "Okay." And I kept thinking about going to bed, but every time I said, well, if they don't score here, I'm going to bed. Well, then they scored. So I was like, okay, I got to stay with this, and I'm so happy I did. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of the second half because it had become a blowout, and I was watching something out in the living room with Giselle. And then I go back in (laughs) to look at the TV, which I'd left on with the game going into the bedroom. I'm like, wait a minute, what's the score? And uh, and then I kind of kicked myself for missing it because I missed virtually the entire second half. Oh <laughs> wow! But again, big time uniform mismatch in that one. Um, I'm looking this up now though because okay. the you, you description of what happened in that game, which again every time we bring it up, we right. we go, how do we end up talking about this horrible game every freaking week? 
some way or another. So it was... Which game are you looking up? The, the, the Colts yeah. one that Tony was talking about. Yeah. It was... It was only, it was only twenty-one nothing at the half. Right, <clears throat> which isn't bad. And they did. It does look okay. I will say, they did come right out and get a touchdown and stop us on our first. Well, they no, yeah, yep, yep, up, up, up. close enough. They okay. Third quarter, third quarter, third quarter, third yeah. quarter. There it is. They did get a touchdown drive to All make right. it twenty-one-seven. Okay. Then they did stop us on the next one. But, but then we stopped them, and then we ended up getting another touchdown on that uh, on Keenan McCardle touchdown. Right. So we went right back up 28-7. Right. Uh, what the difference in this one was fourth quarter, <laughs> and then Rondé had a had a pick that made it 35-14 with 5:09 to go. So they were still down by 21 with five minutes to go. Uh-huh. So just simply scoring on the next drive, stopping on the next one, that formula would not have worked there. There was not enough time for that to happen three times. They needed some extraordinary things to happen, such as recovering an onside kick. After they got it to 35-21, they recovered an onside kick. Right. Um, oh, uh, even before that, after Rondi's touchdown, the ensuing kickoff was returned 90 yards to the Bucks 12. So they could get a really quick touchdown. Then they tried an onside kick and got it. Uh-huh. And then because and then, and then because um, yeah, uh, uh, Brian Kelly, who we were just talking about, was out of the game because of a pec injury. Yep. Tim Wansley was doing his spot, and Poor Tim. the last possible thing you can do in that situation, it was fourth and six, is get beat deep, and fall for a double move, and, and he did. did. Yep. So long, Marvin Harrison touchdown. But what, what, what on fourth and six, yeah. if you don't have your untested, I think he was a rookie playing mm-hmm. instead of a great corner. Right, that play probably doesn't happen too. So they needed a lot of crazy stuff to happen, right. including a penalty for leaping. Which I'm sorry, on to Simeon Rice cranked up again. I'm just saying that. So he said that at halftime. He said that he said that coming out of half because going because they talked to um, Doug Peterson. Right, and he said. Um, I told my guys, we just got to chip away. Yeah. We just got to chip away. You know, a lot of, lot of game left. Can't get it all back at once. Let's just go. And so they made that big thing. And I was like, well, he's pretty calm. I mean, yeah. he, he. most people that are down like that at the half when you have to talk to the head coach, it's usually not very pleasant. Yeah. You, can, you can ask um, uh, Harbaugh. He was yeah. not very pleasant. He, he didn't like all the questions. He well, had. here's here's my problem that I have with that. Okay, it's something new this year that the networks get to talk to a coach in between quarters. The coach can say yes or no, and it's decided before the games even started. So if you're gonna do it, play along. But what? Well, don't be. Yeah. She asked him a question like, well, what did you think of that penalty? I didn't like it, which I get. That was a bad question. I, I get that. I get that. But, but then, then she asked him something like, what do you need to do? Like, what's the game plan or yeah. something like that? And he didn't want to give that information up. So he's like, oh, oh no, she, the rest of the she, game. He, she said, what does it, what is it going to take to, I guess, to bring somebody else in? I guess another quarterback oh. it must be. And he said, you know, the game has to play out. It wasn't so much what he said. It was how he said oh, it and, and his demeanor. But, but my, my, Thought there is, you don't have to do that stuff, and so don't if you don't want to, you know. You don't have to. No, you can. You have that option to say no. I didn't realize I could say no. Yes, yes. Because I feel like every coach has done it. 
Well, because most of the time it's good. You know, it's good for a coach. It's good. It's good that you you know you go out there. Um, well, but, I don't think they want to do it. Um, some of them do. Yeah, they want to do an interview in the middle of the game. I don't believe. Well, you. personally, I don't believe it should be being the first and second quarter. But I don't believe you. I disagree. Well, I don't think there's a single coach that wants to do an interview. Well, in the they can of the say game. they they can say no. Okay, I'll take your word for that yeah. part of it, but uh, they probably are very strongly encouraged to say yes. Yeah, and it's during a break. It's not like the play action's going. Still, on. they have it's things that, to think about. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I know. I'm just. I don't know, Jeff. Just saying. So what else you got? I'm saying. Okay, everybody is up in arms, and rightfully so, about oh, the uh, Kirk Cousins fourth down pass. <laughs> yeah, I, you, How do you like that? Yeah, You've probably heard me defend quarterbacks before. All the time. Because I used to sit to sit next to somebody in the press box who I will not name, whose biggest thing was... Shall I name him? No. Whose biggest thing was... Every time yeah. a quarter... On third, and, on third down or fourth down, every time a quarterback threw a pass that was short of the sticks... That guy lost his mind, and how stupid it was to do that. And I'm always like, you know, it's not his plan to throw a six-yard pass on third and seven, right? right. What happens is he looks, surveys the field, yeah. can't find anybody Go open past the sticks, and. and so as a last resort, he checks it down to the guy that's shorter, hoping that guy can make a move or break a tackle right. and, and still get it. And that's a shot at it. There, at least you're giving your guys a shot, right? right, rather than throwing a pass you know can't be completed. Correct. Or you have a 5% chance of completing it. But this was fourth and eight. And if you don't get it, your season's over. Right. You can't throw the three-yard check down on that one. Mm-mm. I'll agree with everybody on that one. You can't. This is Kirk Cousins that did this, to, uh, I think, to TJ Hawkinson. I will, ag- I will admit that when I watched one replay, I could see that maybe he thought that he was going to throw it to him and Hawkinson was going to be was running towards the sideline was going to be able to turn the corner on the defender and get to the sticks right. maybe yeah. but it's such a split second decision I think at that point you have to at least try you've got Justin Jefferson on your team he saved you in Buffalo on like fourth and eighteen with an insane catch right. remember that one you got to give him a shot man even it might get picked it might get broken up but at least you got a shot you got you got to take because otherwise yeah. your season's over and it was and it was but the the actual note I had from that game was there was another play on third and one where the Vikings called a play where the running back got the ball and then threw it back to Cousins. Yeah. That's bizarre. On third and one, you, you want like Kirk Cousins is the guy you're throwing the ball to? We're it gonna, didn't work, by the way. We're going we're gonna to trick you. We're going to trick you. Man, there's got to be a lot of ways you can get one yard, and uh, throwing it to your not especially mobile quarterback can't be high on that list. Very. All right. Um, finally, uh, if you're the Giants, are you, are you sticking with Daniel Jones now? Absolutely. Right? I mean, how, how much has that turned around in the last couple months? I, I think that's the difference between coaching staffs. Yeah. I think because they pretty much had uh, the same amount of uh, players there. In, an interesting note, they did pick up a wide receiver there um, that they got off, they they took off uh, the Buffalo uh, yeah, list. Um, and the, yeah, and the only reason why they know is because they came from Buffalo yeah. and they really liked the guy. Yeah. So it, it, that's kind of, it, it's like, wow, and they got him, I think he's like minimal. Probably. Uh, cost. Yeah. And ends up being <clears throat> their top receiver. 
uh, because they were struggling in that. And they've had a lot of guys hurt. Yes, they did. But I thought I thought that was a great game. I thought the Giants were going to win that game anyways, and I, I really felt that from the very get-go. I only missed one, and that was us this week. That mm. sucked. I wish um, I would have missed another one but and had ours right. But the thing, though, you talked about the better coaching staff, but this coaching staff came in and had to figure out what they had in Daniel Jones and if they wanted to move forward with him, so they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Uh-huh. Well, actually, I guess that decision was made last year. Right. But, um, boy, if that franchise had picked up his third, fifth-year option, they'd be happy about it now because now they have to figure out a way to resign <laughs> him, and it's going to cost a lot more. Well, sometimes you gamble, you know. And maybe, maybe, maybe he's not the absolute best quarterback in the league, but when you add in what he can do on the ground, he ran like seven times for 78 yards in that game, and those are designed runs for the most yes. part. And if he is just a good passer, I mean, he did this with, like you said, Isaiah Hodgins as his top receiver. Mm-hmm. So it's it's changed around quite a bit. At the start of the season, I never would have thought that the Giants would be thinking about how do we get Daniel Jones back <laughs> next year. But that I think that's where they are. I think you have to be. I think you have <clears throat> to be. And I think, too, maybe sometimes teams give up on quarterbacks too quickly. That could be. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is that seems to be the, the – um, I don't know. If you're not performing right away, there's something better. There's a new shiny penny, and maybe perhaps you just need to spend a little more time. He may be the may may be the reason for them. Maybe what they need. I I don't know. I thought they I thought their whole game plan was really well put together. So. Yep. All right. You got anything else? I I don't. I I'll don't. just throw out there that we know we're picking 19th in the draft. And yeah, I did see that. That's something we're going to be talking about, Not maybe not here on this podcast. We're no. planning on doing one more of these next week. But are, okay, we are going to do one? I'm not going to reveal what it is, oh, but we have okay. a special surprise. I thought surprise. this was the last one. It's not set in stone. Oh, okay. But I, I would like to, and we have a special surprise for what we're going to do, but I'm not going to reveal it right now. You All know right. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. We have two you emails. You mentioned it to me in passing, yes. We have two emails. All right. Neither one of them is much of a question, but I'll read them anyway. Okay. Um, hello, Salty Dogs. This is from Stefan in Berlin. All right. We've oh, heard, yeah. We've I heard from him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one arrived before the Monday night game, mm-hmm. so keep that in mind. We are in the playoffs. The L to the Falcons is not important. That's true. Right. I just hope that Robert Hainsey will be healthy against the Cowboys. Otherwise, will our O-line be good enough to win? I guess that is a question. That is a very good Anyway, question. I will watch the game at 2.15 a.m. on Tuesday and hope to hear Bucks fans singing Country Roads some hours later. Oh. Go Bucks, LFG, greetings, Stefan. Yeah. Well, we know the answer already now. Right. Um, Robert Hainsey was healthy enough to be active mm-hmm. for the game, but he ended up not playing because uh, Brian Jensen, as we talked about. Yeah. And Luke Gedeke went back to left guard where he had started the first seven games of the season. Um. Uh-oh. I don't know if you can say that... Uh, oh, I have a meeting in 15 minutes. Good thing we're wrapping this wow. up. Wow. I don't know if you can say you that... You must be important. I don't know if you can say that the O-line was good enough to win because we didn't win. No, we didn't. And, so, it, and we couldn't run the ball. So and we didn't run lot, the ball very lot of, well. A lot of that there was a lot the of pressure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, they're, they're, they didn't necessarily have the performance that we needed. Correct. <clears throat> they performed, but not well enough. And our whole mailbag is um, international this week because the other one is from our friend. Yeah, good. That's a way to end it. I Alexander like it. in Brazil. I like that. Well, like I said, we plan to do one more of these. So if you're listening, 
Send us anything you want us to read. I mean, it doesn't have to be a question. Maybe you have something you want to vent about the season or something. But uh-huh. salty dogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Okay. Uh, from Alexander, ahoy, salty ones. Hope this finds you both well. And I believe a little tired from a short night of sleep. So this arrived on Tuesday morning. All right. <clears throat> Very short night. I was tired yesterday. It was bad. Really bad. <laughs> I'm always positive in all, which I agree he is, was hoping for a win, but this season I never felt like this team was expecting to win. Do you know what I mean? Well, is, I know what you mean. Is bad and really bad, is that like uh, irrelevant? Or No. No. You, what was your thing? Um, oh, gosh. Um, irregardless. Irregardless. No, it's, 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 it's upping your ante as you're writing. It okay. was bad. It, it was, was really, really bad. bad. All yeah. right. Um, Anyway, I really like what I see in this team moving forward. Lots of core young players, yeah. and I do not know who will stay in Tampa in September, mm. but I do feel like we can be a team with the perennial playoffs expectations. Like, I believe we are totally out of the hole we were in until 2019. Yeah. This team has talent and knows how to win. I don't want to hear about rebuild. We are too good for this. Do you guys feel the same way? Since you did, thanks for reading. Alexander Nascimento from Arizona. Ah. Was he visiting? And then in parentheses, Sao Paulo. Uh, and I don't know. I think uh, these were probably supposed to be some kind of emojis that would have oh, pictures okay. uh, that would explain that, but they're not coming through. So uh, I'm not, I don't know if he's visiting or if they moved or if, did he uh, tell us this last time? I think he said he was coming to the States, if I remember correctly. They didn't in the last email. Huh. Um, no, we're not uh, rebuilding. We're reloading, in the words of uh, Todd Bowles yesterday. Yeah, I don't think we're rebuilding. No. But... Um, and I agree there's a lot of core talent, but you do have the major quarterback question. Yes. You know, is, is, is it going to be Tom Brady, or is they going to have to find another answer? And you do have the tough salary cap situation, and you do have all those free agents we talked about. So this is not going to be an easy thing no. to it, keep the Bucks in contention. But it's going to be uh, an interesting offseason. I'm not so sure fun is the word, but it'll be something to be keeping an eye on. Well, that's all I got, Jeff. Yeah, and I got a meeting apparently. Yeah, yeah. I know. Was it, this wasn't normally on your list? Was I don't know, think we normally. I think we normally meet on Thursday. Yeah, so I was going to say you don't normally have. But then again, we usually record these on Tuesday, so it's true the whole week. The whole man. Yeah, I know. All right, you got anything else? No, I'm done. All right, since you did, thanks for listening.